Hey, what's up, church family? My name is Carrington, and this is my wife, Lindsay, and we have a few quick announcements for you this morning. That's right. Hey, if you have kids, you're going to want to make sure that you're following our NH Marvelous Kids Instagram to stay connected with everything they have going on. They post videos every Wednesday and Sunday with lessons that keep our kids pointed to Jesus, as well as family game nights and crafts with Auntie Kim, and even Draw With Me every Thursday where Pastor Sheldon teaches our kids how to draw a character from Marvelous Academy. You are not going to want to miss it. They're not going to want to miss it. So be sure you're following the Instagram to stay connected. Also, did you hear about our summer digital experience? Well, next week is our kids' summer digital experience. There's still time to register, and it's completely free. Completely free. You can go ahead and register your child today at foursquarenextgen.com. And then our following week is our youth summer digital experience, and they have their own opportunity to have their summer digital experience as well. You can go ahead and register at foursquarenextgen.com as well. It's a great opportunity for our teens and our kids to get connected with their peers from around the nation, but more so build great connections and intimate relationships with our Lord Jesus Christ, especially during these trying times. Yeah, we know this season hasn't been the easiest, and for some of us, we've even lost our jobs, and we don't know how we're gonna make ends meet. And in a time of uncertainty, we can be sure that our God stays the same, that He never changes, that He's always there. He hasn't forgotten about us. He hasn't left us. In fact, He is holding us mm. through this season, and He's got us. And so this morning as we give, we know that it's hard. We do. We know that it's hard. But would you, um, would you give with a heart saying, God, I trust you? It's such a challenge for us, but, but we just want to encourage you that as we give this morning and as we say, Lord, we're trusting you, would you just watch how he's going to bless you? Would you watch how he's just going to take care of you because he loves to take care of his kids? And so if you're wondering how you can give this morning, well, there are four ways. You can give online on our church website, or you can give on our church app. You can also text to give, which helps you to set up an account to give. And lastly, you can mail in your check to 840 Kukulau Road. Would you bow your heads with us this morning as we pray for our tithes and offerings? Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who provides, that you are Jehovah Jireh. We thank you that you know our every need before we even ask, Lord. And so this morning as we give, for some of us it is reluctantly. God, would you honor the heart of the giver this morning? Would you honor the heart that's saying, Lord, we trust you. We trust you in the area of our finances, God. And Father, would you take the gift that's been given and would you use it to further your kingdom here on earth? Would you multiply it, God? Would you make your name famous? And so, Lord, this morning as we give, we are declaring that we trust you, Jesus, and we love you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, hey, Pastor Sheldon has a great message prepared for you this morning on why Jesus can be trusted. So let's prepare our hearts and our minds and let's turn it over to Pastor Sheldon. Pastor Sheldon.
Yeah, thank you, Pastor Lindsay and Carrington. We appreciate that. Thank you for all of you who continue to support what God is doing. And collectively, together, as we continue to trust in Him, we're still seeing people say yes to Jesus Christ. We're reaching people around the world, and it's because of your support. Uh, Last service, we had four people who said yes to Jesus online. So we want to congratulate them and welcome them to the family. We do want to greet you all around uh, our nation, especially here in Hawaii. But for those of you who are joining us, we're so grateful that we have times like this, that even though we may not be together in that kind of way, we're still learning from God together. Now, I'll be addressing you because you're online, but we also have people here. Some of our volunteers are here, so I'll be addressing them also. And the reason why they're here is because they're going through training. We're practicing on how we're going to regather. So we don't have a date yet. We're just going through the how we're going to regather and going through our different protocols, uh, safety, social distancing, uh, as well as getting into the habit of doing that uh, because sometimes we forget We see someone, we want to hug them, and so we want to respect other people. We'll sit by them and forgetting, oh, we should be practicing social distancing. So we're trying to learn it ourselves and get into that habit. So by the time you start showing up and people start coming, we're the ones who are able to uh, coach people and to have that culture where we're doing everything as, everything, uh, as far as we can or as much as possible to make sure everyone is safe. We have a check-in station where we can sanitize our hands and as well as temperature checks. And we're just doing everything possible so that you feel safe uh, for you and your family. We don't have our children's, uh, the, the, our children's wing open right now. All we're doing is just practicing with our staff and some of our volunteers. And you might have just come to us online during this time and you might be thinking, you know, I would love to serve and volunteer. How would I, how would I be able to do that? Well, you can email us and the... Uh, email us and the email is ask at newhopehilo.org and that's right there on our screen and that will connect you with the right people if that's your heart and you're saying i want to help i want to serve i want to do something Uh, so so do that and what we're doing is we're just training right now and we're learning from each other and that's the cool thing that we get to uh, bounce around ideas and and learn together because today in our you know in our nation and especially here on our island we're learning new things every single day. In fact, this series that we're ending today, In God We Trust, is a phrase we've known for a long time if you had money in your possession because it says on our currency, In God We Trust. But what does that look like? What does it mean when we say, I trust in God? Now, if you're on our church online, you're going to see a place that says notes. If you click that, it'll give you all of our notes and scriptures. If you don't, you can, or if you're not on our church online, or if you're here, you can use a notepad, or if you, if you, akamai, smart, you have a good memory, you can just keep it in your thoughts, or just pen it somewhere uh, where you can refer back to it, because I'm sure God is going to speak to us some good things that we can apply into our lives, and the scriptures will pop up on the screen, just in case you don't have anything to write down, or, or your notes, uh, but if you do have your Bibles, then by all means, you can open up your Bibles to John chapter 14, and we'll be in verse 19, that's the first scripture that we're going to come to, but The question then is, I'm learning about trusting in God, but when it comes to trusting in Jesus, what's the difference? Why why can Jesus be trusted? Because if I'm living my life the best way that I can, and then I hear about Jesus and and that I should put my life in his hands, why, why should I trust him? Now, we all put our trust somewhere. 
or in someone. Sometimes in a person or an inanimate object. You trust. You trust that your gadget was going to work today, your device, your TV, Wi-Fi, whatever it is. You trusted that. So we, we trust in something or someone as long as they can be trusted or it can be trusted. Have you ever, like, borrowed something from someone so long that you had to borrow it back? And then you're thinking, how do I ask so-and-so for what they borrowed from me? How do I ask them back? And, like, how do I say, hey, can, can I borrow my chainsaw? The one you borrowed from me. It, it almost, it, it, there's tension there. For some, when they borrow something, they never give it back or it breaks and they never say anything about it. So therefore, from that day forward, if that person was to come to you and say, hey, I wanted to borrow this, is not your trust factor depleted with that person? It's lower now. Why? Because they can't be trusted. I could see if someone borrowed something and they forgot and said, oh, I'm so sorry. I had this for a while. I want to return it. I'm so sorry. It's in good condition. It's all good. You still have that trust. But people are, you trust people as long as they can be trusted. Now, when it comes to God, for some, you might be an unbeliever or you might have like unbelieving friends and, or people that, you know, they're coming to know the Lord and they can't trust him yet because they don't know him yet. They have yet to surrender their life to him or understand what it means to be in a relationship with God. So I can see people in that place. But there's also believers like us. When we gave our heart to Jesus Christ, we trusted him wholeheartedly. So we said, I'm going to surrender everything to you. And so we did. But then along the way, something happens. Let's just say we're trusting God with our finances and then I lose my job. And then I pray to God and nothing happens. And I'm wondering, you know, God, you said you were going to be there for me, but... You know, I'm praying to you, and maybe our trust with God goes down to 99% instead of 100. And then maybe we've been praying for someone for healing, and they never get healed, and then they pass away, and then now our trust with God is at 90%. And as circumstances go by in life, little by little, our, our trust with God slowly begins to deplete. And then maybe for some of us, we're operating at 50% now, or 10%, or 7 And we have such a low trust in God that we're just, we're on the last hopes of if something goes bad, I'm done. I'm not going to trust God anymore. See, what, what happens is over time, even as believers, our trust percentage can be depleted because of circumstances, not God himself. So where does Jesus come in on all of this? Why can Jesus be trusted? John chapter 14, verse 19. Jesus said this, Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. So Jesus makes a truth statement. Since I live, you also will live. Now he said, Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. In other words, he's talking about his physical body. You're going to see me, but then after a while, you're not going to see me, which is pretty interesting because when he went to the cross, died on the cross, and then was buried and then rose from the grave, many people did see him after he died, but then he ascended into heaven after that and then gave us the Holy Spirit, the guide unto all truth. So although Jesus was saying, you're going to see me, but then you're not going to see me anymore. For some people, that's as far as their faith went. It was so long as I could see Jesus here on this earth. But once he died, many people scoffed him and mocked him and said, you, 
You said you were going to be the savior of the world. You said you have words of eternal life. You, you, you could heal others. You could raise others from the grave. Why don't you take yourself off of the cross? If you are the son of God, why don't you do these things? So there are many skeptics that came along. Why? Because, they're cir- because of the circumstances that their eyes could see. That's where their trust was in. It was in the circumstance rather than in who Jesus is because he did rise from the grave. And when Jesus said, you will no longer see me, I wonder if for many people, even as believers, because of our trust being depleted through circumstances, that even though we may have accepted him long ago, because of all of the things that took place in life, little by little, we're now in a place where we no longer see Jesus because we don't trust him anymore. It's been depleted. But what Jesus said in this truth statement, since I live, you also will live, he was saying that because he cannot lie. He, he's, he is the truth. Here's why Jesus can be trusted. Everything Jesus said he was going to do, he did. Everything. Look throughout Scripture, right? Everything Jesus said he was going to do, he did. And there were witnesses who saw him even after he rose from the grave. He said he was going to die, and then he said he was going to rise from the grave. And many people, hundreds of people, saw him and documented it, that they saw him. That's why we have some of the books in the New Testament. Because they saw him. What he said he was going to do, he did. And we all, even as believers, we all have a story of a new life. We saw what Jesus did in our life, and now we give that. We're all witnesses for God. And whether good or bad, that's going to be dependent on our lifestyle. We're we're all going to be witnesses for God. Good or bad determines how we're going to live, but we choose how we're going to witness. As 1 Peter 2, verse 12 tells us, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. We all have a story to give. We're all witnesses for God. Good or bad will always depend on our lifestyle. But that's why Peter was saying that. He's saying, you know, you're going to have a lot of unbelieving friends and you're going to be a witness to God. What kind of witness? It's going to be your choice. Many of us have come to Christ from, for so many different reasons. Some of us came to, to Christ from a crisis. Some of us came to Christ uh, because we were, we were in church and we, we sensed the presence of God, the love of God. Or maybe a, a friend came up to us and, and, and prayed for us. Many people receive Jesus and give their hearts to Christ through dreams. Many people even today have a dream of Jesus speaking to them and then when they wake up, they surrender everything to Jesus. So we all come to Jesus in different ways, maybe even through someone's life testimony. That's why we're, as being witnesses, it's important for us to be a witness for God because Christianity is both experiential as well as the mind, the discipline of the mind. And if we miss either one, we miss it all. As someone said, the longest journey in life is between the head and the heart. To be able to fathom what is happening and to have the discipline of the mind so that we can understand God, that we can give Him all of our hearts. When we look at our world today, so many movements are driven by moods, emotions, 
We're emotional people. God gave us emotions, but not to be led by our emotions in the context of my entire life, but that we would use emotions for the cause of Christ, that he would, he would do something in us that, yes, we would get, we would, it would cause emotions, but emotions are not there so that we use that as the determining factor of what kinds of decisions I'm going to make. Our emotions should connect with our, the discipline of the mind so that collectively together we're able to go to God and say, God, what are you saying? Now, just to bring clarity, this is not something new. We've battled with this since day one, since God created human beings. In the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 1, if we go all the way back to the beginning, it says that the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did, did, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? How powerful is that word actually? Did you, did you take out the trash? Yeah. Did you actually take out the trash? Well, I put it by the door. So the word actually, actually is what the devil brought in to, to, to twist the truth of God. In fact, here's Adam and Eve. Here's their relationship with God. They have this perfect relationship with God. Here comes the devil. He comes in and he says, did God actually say that? Now their, their eyes are off of God and now on the devil. And now they're saying, wait a minute, did, did God actually say that? In other words, the devil comes in and he questions God's authority. And now we question God's authority, not based on his truth and his word. If you're reading the Bible, we base his authority now on our feelings or emotions. The devil knows how to toy with us, so he comes into our emotions, and he said, did God actually say that? And now we second-guess God's authority. See, life cannot be lived and carried through our moods and emotions. As we often say, never make permanent decisions based on passing emotions. Emotions will come, but it'll also go. A pilot flying an airplane will have emotions, but will also have the traffic tower as well as all the instruments to help determine what is happening. You don't throw out one or the other. You need both. But emotion alone to fly an aircraft, that's not a good way to pilot. And so it is with God when he says, I want to pilot your life. You're going to need my word. You're going to need my instruments so that I can guide you because you're going to have emotions. Jesus leads with absolute truth not emotion he has emotion but but with absolute truth and so he leads us in that kind of way not emotion not relativism which is any theory holding that criteria of judgment are relative varying with individuals and their environments in other words it's relative to me what i think is truth is truth and we hear many today even the media will say this is my truth i'm not biased but this is my truth so I'm here to report my truth, which is the exact definition of what bias is. It's what I believe, what I think, what I feel. So therefore, I'm biased to my opinion. Therefore, now it's my truth. Another person is going to have their truth. And whose truth is going to win over? That's why we stay close to the truth. God's truth supersedes every other so-called truth. Now, some of our truth may agree with God. Many may not. That's why we have to go back to His Word. That's why we have to follow His Spirit. Why? Because He is truth. 
His truth is not based on if circumstances are well or not or our feelings. His truth never changes. He is eternal. His truth is eternal. Our so-called truth will only last for this lifetime. It's temporary. But His truth takes us into eternity. Genesis 2, 16 and 17 tells us that the Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Think about it. God was giving mankind the choice. Because without choice, we cannot love God. We need choice to love, to love one another. God doesn't force us to be with him. In fact, there are people who say, well, I don't, what kind of God is that that you serve that he sends people to hell? God gives us the freedom to choose. He, we, he gives us the choice. It's like being in a relationship. You must love me. No, I don't love you. I don't want to be with you anymore. <laughs> You're making me sad. You need to be with me. But I don't, I don't want to. Now, as heartbreaking as that is, you can't make someone love you. Love is a choice. So why would God force anyone to be with him for all of eternity? If they don't want to be with him, that's their choice. That's up to them. Even though they may not believe in eternal separation with God or a place called hell, they may not believe in it, but if they don't want to be with God, that's up to them. God will not force us. And so when he commanded the man saying, you're going to be able to choose you can choose from any tree of the garden. But this one, the knowledge of good and evil, if you eat that, you're going to surely die. Now, God said this because he knew that we as mankind, we would redefine good and evil. We would do it ourselves. That we would, we would make a decision based upon how we feel. And because of that, we surely have died. We are now temporary bodies with an eternal spirit. In other words, the moment we come up with our own definitions of good and evil, and we come up with two different, different definitions or two definitions of good and evil, whose good will trump whose good? Whose, tr whose, whose good will trump someone else's good? Whose good will be the popular good for people to say, now that's, that's truth because that, that's what good is. No, but I think this is good. No, that's not good. So what happens is, because we're emotional now, we start movements based on what we think is good. And someone else disagrees and they say, but that's not good what you're doing. But to them it is. This is the very reason why God said do not eat. Why? Because you're, you're going to surely die. It's an end in itself. Because now you're redefining good and evil. And so now we're constantly making decisions of good and evil based on what we believe good or evil to be, no longer based on the words and works of God and who He is. And what we're seeing today is everything becomes what someone believes, and whoever can push that belief system more will be able to get more people. And we label it as systematically when actually it is morality. And there's a big difference. We use systemic as our reasoning, but moral failure is the result. And so we trust our own humanity more than we trust the words of Jesus. And look at where we are in our world. We've taken God out of schools, prayer out of schools, 
Bibles are being banned. Certain things cannot be said on TV. We're, we're no longer doing certain things at, at our, our uh, national games. Uh, we cannot pray in certain events. So they're trying their very best to, rem- the world is doing this, trying to remove as much as possible truth and the belief in God. But this is where we come in as a church and as a believer. Here are two things that can help us when we trust in Christ. And the first is to surrender our entire life to Jesus. It's our entire life. Why? Because faith, trust, hope depletes. It, it, it begins to leak out of our lives. So when we surrender our entire life to Jesus, not circumstances, not the way the world is going, not on the hopes that things work out better, the Bible, even, Jesus himself said things will get bad. It will get worse. He said, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. John chapter 16, verse 33. So we surrender our entire life to Jesus. The second thing is to be a defender of our faith. Not that we have to prove that God exists, but to be a defender of our faith. It's called an apologist, which is a person who makes a defense in speech or writing on behalf of an idea, or in our case, our belief in Jesus Christ. So now we can, we can be that defender. As a, as a believer, we're, we are all Christian apologists, all of us. We're all a defender of the faith. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 tells us, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing, it comes from the Greek word orthotomeo, which means to make straight and smooth, to handle a right to teach the truth directly and correctly. So like an orthodontist who makes our teeth straight, or an ortho, ortho, orthopedic? Yeah, or, if you have orthopedics, right? It makes your, your legs straight or makes your feet straight. So we use that so that we're, we're not crooked. And because of the Word of God and us being able to, to rightly divide the word of truth, we're able to walk in this life straight, not crooked. That we can love people, we can befriend someone, we can help people get resourced if we don't know the answer. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about discipling someone and how we're going to do that. And if we don't even know the answers for something, it's okay. We can find ways and help one another get resourced or help each other get into the Word of God. Help each other stay close to the truth. That's what discipleship is all about. It keeps us close to Christ. What discipling someone will do is help with a personal connection to God. And there's going to be evidence of fruit that people start to tell stories about how God has been speaking to them. It's called a testimony. Or we understand the big picture. That now we can tell the full gospel of Jesus Christ in our own words. Why? Because we trust in Him. Jesus did everything He said He was going to do. He can be trusted. That now there's a change that happens from the inside out. That when we look at our lives, we can see a difference. When we look in the mirror, we see a a different person than we used to be. That we may even see some people, some old friends, and they're like, man, you're so different. You've changed. You're so different. It would be, it would be, it would be a little uh, uneasy if I haven't seen a friend in 30 years and they knew me before I knew Jesus Christ and now they see me again and we hang out they're like ma you have never changed one bit (laughs) after 30 years 
Or maybe I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years and, and someone is like, man, you're, you're the same person that I met you 40 years ago. And in my, th- my thinking, I'd be like, man, I don't want to be the same person that I was 30 years ago. I would love to look the same 30 years ago. That's, well, maybe not 30. I'd be 17 at that time. That's, that's a little too young. But when people see us and they say, man, you're, you're different. You're different. You, there's something different about you. You're calm now. You're, 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 you're so loving. You're compassionate. You're kind. Instead of us saying, well, I wasn't like that before. <laughs> we can say, you know what? I, I can only say that I, I, I gave my life to Christ. He did a, he, he's doing something in my heart. I'm, not, I'm, I'm never going to arrive to perfection, but he's doing something in my heart. And now there's a change from the inside out. And then we also develop a heart for people who don't know Jesus Christ. That we're talking about, man, I, I'm praying for this one person. They, they, they're, they're coming to know Jesus, but I'm praying for them. That kind of language is coming out of our mouth rather than, hey, you know, so-and-so, they're like this. It's saying, man, I'm praying for this one person. I've been investing in them. I've been praying for them. I'm cheering them on. I'm trying to encourage them. That's what being discipled looks like and discipling someone, that we give our whole heart to Jesus, not just half or what I, what I want to choose and say, well, I, I trust you a little bit, so I'll just give you 30% of my life. Imagine if you have to have heart surgery and the donor that was going to give you the heart is like, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to work with you. I'm going to give you like 30% of my heart and then we'll go from there. That's not the best way to do heart surgery. It has to have your, your whole, you have to have the entire heart. And just like giving our heart to Christ, give him your entire heart, that you're able to declare Jesus as Lord and Savior over your entire life, that nothing is off limits to God. That's what we're going to be doing when it comes to discipling someone. There's a, we're, we're walking them through this relationship with Jesus Christ, and there's fruit, evidence of fruit. Jesus says in John 14, you know, when we talk about Jesus did everything he said he was going to do. And I'm going to invite uh, Jamie to the keyboard and the worship team can get ready. When Jesus said, I'm going to do everything, or, or we look at what he did and he did everything he said he was going to do. There's one thing he did not do. One thing he did not do. And it can almost seem like that's why I don't trust him. It's that one thing. Well, there's only one thing Jesus said he was going to do that he did not do yet. And it comes out of John chapter 14, verses 1 and 6. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready... I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas, one of his disciples said, no, Lord, we don't, we don't know. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's the one thing that Jesus did not fulfill yet. I pray that when he does come back, you'll be ready for him. Some time ago, someone came up to me and they said, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, trusting in this religion, this religious person, uh, I'm going to follow this religion, and just in case, you know, in the end when I die, I was wrong in this one. 
Like, I just want to make sure that, that whatever is out there, that I was able to capture that one. So I'm just going to believe in everything. And then in the end, <laughs> I got the right one. And I said, wow, that's a, that's a pretty interesting theory. That sounds like it would work. How would you live on earth, though? That's kind of a weird way to live on earth. Because God is not just an eternal God. So I asked, I said, hey, you know, when you travel, how many reservations do you make? And for how many airlines? And he said, what do you mean? I said, yeah, when you travel, what, what, when you make reservations, what, what do you do? He said, well, I, I call for reservations. I said, just one reservation? One airline? Yeah, I'm only going one place. I said, yeah. How come you don't call them all? Just in case the plane doesn't take off, you're delayed, it doesn't go to the right destination. Why don't you just call all the airlines? Just in case. And they said, well, I don't, I, I trust that I'm going to get there. I said, that's the key. See, what you're doing is y- y- you don't know. You don't know God. So instead of getting to know God, you'd rather catch a flight to everywhere. I tell you, the difference with God and, and you trying all of these religions is that all of these religions, they will fly. They will, they will take off. It'll be a great flight. But you will never, ever land into the destination that God is waiting for you in. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything doesn't lead to God. All roads, all religions do not lead to God. We'll end up before God no matter where we are in life. But I don't want to end up with God I want to be sure that I have this relationship with him so that when everything is ready and Jesus comes to get me, I will be with him wherever he is rather than face God with zero possibility of getting to know him. Today, trust in God. Jesus can be trusted because everything he said he was going to do He did, and he will, when everything is ready, come back to get us. That is the best reservation you can ever make. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me as we close in prayer. And for those of us here, we can bow our heads. Lord God, we do thank you for the gift of eternal life. I pray for those who right now, maybe they have never said yes to you. Maybe they've been saying yes to all these other things, and they've been trusting in many things. But Lord, it really comes down to who you are that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord Jesus, no one comes to the Father except through you. You don't want us to be spread out with all different beliefs. You want us in this relationship with you. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with you. So I pray right now, if you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you've never surrendered your heart to him, I'm going to say a prayer. You repeat after me. Mean it with all of your heart. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave. 
to give me eternal life. I trust you with my entire life. I wholly surrender to you. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord God, that's our prayer. I pray for those who just said yes to you. We welcome them to your family. I pray for all of us, even as believers, that as our faith and trust deplete, that we would keep our eyes on you so that in you, our trust goes back up because you are faithful. It's your faithfulness that keeps our trust in you. Not our circumstances, not what we see. It's in you. Your track record is 100% perfect. And you will come back for us one day. So we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen. Once again, congratulations to all of you who said yes to Jesus. Can we just thank those who said yes to Jesus and welcome them into the family? We do. We welcome you into the family. Click the link that says, I said yes. It'll help you to get connected. And then I know we have uh, different things coming up. So click on that newsletter uh, link so that you can be connected with us because as we start disciple someone you'll get some training to help you with understanding what that means and as the weeks go by we'll get better and better and we're going to see people not just come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior but that collectively as a church we will still be able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we may be especially in a season like this Amen We're going to conclude right now and this is our final prayer that because of God and our trust in Him and His faithfulness, we have victory. God bless you guys. Have a beautiful day.